Hi there. Welcome back to the Real Film Chronicles podcast. As always, I'm Nathan. And I'm Brian. And in this week's very special episode, it's all about family, as we take a look at <laughs> Fast X, the latest installment of the Fast and Furious franchise. Man, oh man, what's a colossal film to be talking about <laughs> this evening? Uh, like the full film franchise, this is... I guess depending on how you look at it, I mean, to me, this is number 10 in the series, obviously X, uh, but we do have one offshoot movie, The Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, right? Uh, so Plus, there's also an animated show, I believe, as well. Oh, really? Kids. So, whew. well, you got to include the whole family, right? Oh, there's a video game too, right? I'm, I'm sure there's got to be a whole bunch of video games. There's got to be. I think there's a racing game for sure, but yeah, it's a whole, it's a multimedia empire yeah yeah man <laughs> it's just uh like i don't know like what 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 is your hit we've talked about fast and furious over the years this is an old film franchise and by old i mean 22 years old yeah wasn't it 2001 the first <laughs> one came 2001 out? is the first one right and i was like that's not that long ago right <laughs> yeah right it's it it's crazy when you start thinking i mean we talk a lot about franchises like the mcu the mcu essentially launched in 2008 with iron man and it's had like 25 movies and fast and furious launches in 2001 i think a very unassuming nobody would expect this to turn into what it has over the years, but you know, here we are 20 plus years later, it's still talking about fast and furious and we still have more down the road. It's just like, when is this thing going to end? <laughs> it just never does. Family never stops. Why should yeah, this, when this does family end, Brian? Yeah. Um, apparently the next movie is going to be the last in the mainline series with the mainline cast. Uh, if reports are to be believed, um, and then I know that there's already talk of a second movie, standalone movie featuring Hobbs. I don't know if it's going to be another Hobbs and Shaw or just Hobbs on his own adventure with The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson going off and doing his own thing in the Fast and Furious universe. But yeah, like you were saying, I think, I don't think anybody, certainly neither of us, when we watched the original, uh, uh, The Fast and the Furious back in 2001, ever imagined that it would become <laughs> a franchise, let alone yeah. a, a globe-trotting spy thriller mashup. It was like that. It was if you had told us that we would have we would have kicked you out of the house because you were clearly on some kind of methamphetamine and like you were Without hallucinating doubt. some some kind of nonsense. It's just been such a wild ride, even between going from like fast like the second one, the third one, the fourth one. And really, like five, six, and seven really started that trend. Is like, oh, it was almost reinvented. Yeah, it's like here's what we can do. And I think that's one of the strengths of the franchise is that it constantly kind of reinvents itself, has the opportunity to reinvent itself, mm -hmm. but while keeping some of those core ideas. I think people, it's become a meme now where they talk about, oh, this is my family. You got nothing on me because I got a family. And it's like, yeah. but I think that theme of family. I think for me watching these movies, it, it feels really genuine and I think it really anchors these films and it's really a theme that, that brings people together. I mean, you look at the international box office success across yeah. multiple countries and also another thing too about the diversity of the cast where people are like, oh, we got to cast well-known white actors or else we're not going to do well in China. It's like, uh, actually, no, you don't. You can have 
a full, diverse, multicultural cast. Yeah. And as long as the movie's entertaining, um, you're going to make tons of money. I don't know what the what the box office is on Fast X. I know it's a different landscape now, post-COVID. But I think all these movies are still doing just... It's a billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar, I think, franchise at this point. Well, we will talk about the box office. I did create a little chart with all the details on all these movies. I don't know if we want to talk about that before. I'll own it 100%. It was, it's really fascinating because, yeah, I mean, this whole film series is fascinating. It has been entertaining. Now, I do feel like I'm sitting down with an expert on the Fast and Furious movies. Uh-oh. You and your wife have watched these movies multiple times, right, over the years? Yeah, 100%. I, just for full disclosure and to give full context for any of my uh, opinions herein, I am a huge fan of the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. Um, have been since the first one that I, I don't know if I was super, I don't know if I felt that initial connection with the movie, but now I I really love that movie. And listen, like, and I completely get how some people, like that some of the criticisms that they've leveled against the movies about them being over the top and ridiculous. And I think it's one of those, one of those situations where to, to quote the great Hunter S. Thompson, you know, you buy the ticket, take the ride, you know, like yeah. if you're on board for some of the more ridiculous elements, if you buy in and you, and you, you're, you're willing to go along for the ride, you're going to have a great time. Um, but I can absolutely a hundred percent see how this is not, it's not going to connect with everybody, right? There's some people who listen, some of the crazy stuff that goes on. Yeah. It, it breaks all laws of physics, of course it does, but that's part of the fun of the franchise. And even the franchise has gotten in on itself, the last couple of movies especially, yeah. kind of winking at the audience with some of that. But yeah, I've watched these movies multiple times, own them all, sometimes multiple versions uh, <laughs> of, of a couple of them. Um, I, I love the heck out of every one of them uh, for different reasons. And I'll just say, like, I want to talk about my journey with the Fast and Furious movies. It's been a little bit different and not as full of as much love, but I, <laughs> in the past, like, 10 years, and yeah. I, I don't know exactly which one it was, probably Fast Five or maybe Fast and Furious Six, like, really embracing how silly things were getting. And I loved how each movie was, like, escalating the like the the lunacy of it all and like how it all combined together is like they yeah. I think around five or six is when for me when the movies really found their flow they really found their pacing and confidence and it's like I can play along with this and have a total blast I don't because the movie started pretty grounded like uh, we talked about this before it's like yeah. they're literally just stealing DVD players and stuff <laughs> out of transport trucks in, in the first movie it's very grounded and it, very 2001 DVD players. Yeah, it's like I think I, I don't know which one was, I don't know if it was number eight or nine, but like they they go to space, right? And you're like that number doesn't nine, stop yeah. the franchise. It's like <laughs> the stunts get crazier and crazier. The cars are doing impossible things, but they keep raising the stakes and the action and the spectacle, and that's what it's all about is the spectacle and having fun with it. I, I know some friends. Uh, have that perspective too, or it's just like, it's like the movie has crossed a line for them where it's just no longer enjoyable. And I I totally get it as well, but it's like, I just, I just love seeing the craziness on screen, but I do kind of think sometimes like, what is my line on how far can the fast and furious go before I'm like, you know what guys, this is like too much here. Oh yeah. I think for me, in all honesty, I think the last one, um, I can't remember the actual name of it. Oh, it was like Fast Nine. The uh, 
what was it called? Fast nine. All I have is F nine written down here. Like I think oh, yeah. it's called F nine, which I think F9, is, but anyway, is awesome. that's the one they they go to space. Um, and I think F nine for me, I think I would rank it the lowest in the series actually. Um, even below, I know number two is ranked low for a lot of people. A uh, three has gotten a lot more love, but yeah, honestly, this, the series has had its ups and downs, but I think that, um, without getting into it yet, or maybe we can, is that I think for me, uh, fast X was a return to form. It felt like an upswing from, from F9 to me. Okay. We're like, I think you were talking about like, I think there's a kind of a, you see like a trilogy within there, within the franchise of like five, six and seven. I think, that's considered by a lot of fans, I think, to be kind of like one yeah. of the high points of the series, those three movies. Um, I really enjoyed eight. Nine was a little bit let down for me. Um, or found like it was almost like they were kind of resetting again. It almost, it almost felt like a, a Fast and Furious situation. Not the Fast and the, the Furious, but Fast and Furious, which was the fourth. Which is number four. Yeah. <laughs> it was number four. Yeah, another thing to understand is like the naming convention in the series is completely bonkers has lost all meaning. Well, I want to go through the names here quickly for a second. You have yeah, do it. We have the, to. the Fast and the Furious is the first one, two thousand. Yes, Too Fast, Too Furious, two thousand three. Uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, which I just wrote it down as Tokyo Drift. Um, yep. And here's the big omission for me for context: I've never actually seen Tokyo Drift. <gasps> um, I don't know if if anything what? I say throughout the rest of this episode will have any meaning because of that. And even in preparation for this, I thought I should watch that, and I just never got around to it. So I apologize. But I think it is still kind of like the outside movie that, like, they've kind of like shoehorned into the overall chronology it's of the story. Definitely, it's definitely kind of like the second cousin twice removed. It's definitely in the timeline and they, we, we, they weave the timeline back in. Yeah. Um, but it definitely, yeah, they were, they were obviously trying to take the series in a different direction. And then, um, Justin Lin came in, who's kind of the savior of the series in a sense where he kind of took it in a different direction to great success. Right. Well, Justin Lin directed Tokyo drift and then the other four movies after that. So you have fast and furious, which is number yeah. four. And in my mind, because they just dropped the Fast and Furious, that was almost like a reboot of the series at that point. It was almost like a soft reset. Where, yeah, yeah. Um, Brian gets back in the FBI. Dom finally comes back. And then after that, it's like after Fast and Furious, which I, I really enjoyed. It's um, I, The way I always talk about Fast and Furious is it's uh, nobody's favorite Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's almost like, like they had to do it. <laughs> Like I'm not, yeah. not disparaging. I I like it. I like it a lot, but it's like it's almost felt like oh, we need to almost like recalibrate and like you know steer, get 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 the steering wheel under control. Like get us back on the road on the right path. Then you've got Fast Five, right? Yes. Um, so I think the critical darling of the series. Pretty amazing. Um, Fast and Furious Six. I don't think there's anything special about that title. They just went regular yeah. there, and uh, then. Furious Seven, I yeah. love that. Uh, just makes me think of like the uh, the Seven Samurai. It's just like the Magnificent Seven, etc. There's so yeah. much to play into that with a number no, seven. They're furious. They're yeah. not magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got Fate of the Furious. Love it. I just love that play on you know throwing the eight into the fates, and it's just Fate of the like. This could be a finale. It's the fate, right? This is a culmination. It came to me. F nine. The Fast Saga, 
That's what I was. That's Is that what skulls? Okay. The fast. Yeah, that's what it's. There's a subtitle to it as well. That's a weak. That's a weak one. That's just F9 yeah. in my books. Uh, you've got yeah. We mentioned Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Very boring title, but I think they had to include Fast and Furious in that because people may not know it's Hobbs and Shaw, but. I think at that time with The Rock starring in a movie, everyone was going to go and see that movie anyways, right? Um, yeah, 100%. And then here we are with Fast X, which, um, yeah. Uh, do we want? Do you want to talk about the overall ratings like before we, we get in here? Because we're talking about the whole series right sure. now. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, this, so Letterboxd use a five-star rating system. And this is the one I focused on. Uh, actually ranking them with the overall average of each film on Letterboxd. What do you think is number one? With number, I'm going to go with five. You're right. It's Fast Five is number one with a 3.4 average. Uh, number two? Number two, well, maybe we'll go with six. You're wrong. Oh. Number two is the very first movie, that, The Fast and the Furious. Oh, that was be my next guess. So that is a 3.3 average. And we'll okay. just have you guess one more because we don't want to spend all night on this. Uh, not saying that you're slow or anything, but uh, <laughs> number three in the oh, overall averages. Maybe number three, I'll pick number seven because that was the kind of send off to Paul Walker when he uh, passed and it was a really nice send off. You got it. Yeah, that's 3.2 yeah. average on Letterboxd. Uh, from there, you, you did sort of guess it. Uh, at 3.1 average, you have Fast and Furious 6 as yeah. well as Tokyo Drift. Uh, both rated 3.1. Oh, nice. After that, you have another tie for number six spot, Too Fast, Too Furious, and Fast and Furious. Uh, so two okay, and yeah. four. Uh, in number eight, you have another tie for Fate of the Furious. And some spoiler alert here, Fast X is a 2.8 average. And the lowest rated Fast and Furious movie is F9 at a 2.5 average. Okay, so I'm actually in line with the uh, critical consensus. Yeah, I did not include Hobbs and Shaw on that list, but it is sitting at a 2.8. Um, but mm. what I derived out of this, there's only a 0.7 spread from 2.5 to 3.4. Sorry, that's a nine-point spread. <laughs> so there's almost one full-star rating separate all these. So it's like... When you said there's ups and downs, there are for sure ups and downs, but it's like audiences are pretty like hovering around like that three stars for the most part, if you average yeah. all of them together. But that doesn't speak to the box office these things to have done. The box office is bananas. Yeah. Uh, two movies have broke a billion dollars worldwide. That's Furious 7 and Fate of the Furious at 1.5 billion and 1.2 billion respectively. Holy cow. Uh, the very first movie did 207. Uh, the lowest grossing one was Tokyo Drift with 158 worldwide. And okay. I think that's probably where they they went back to the drawing board. It's like, yeah, we got to sort of relaunch this. The fourth movie came in with 360 million. And then it just kept climbing up from there until F9, 726 was obviously a decline for the 1.2 billion. Um, Fast X is at 680 but again it is a different landscape uh, yeah the, this is it's crazy this movie came out in theaters and literally four weeks later it's on video on demand so people could just yeah. watch it at home <laughs> you're like it did not have the legs that all these other movies would have had in the theater and especially like i think the board, big format uh, screens and stuff it just get bumps out because i think this came out maybe a week or two before 
uh, that Spider-Man movie that took over like all the IMAX screens across the universe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like it across basically Spider-Verse rather. Yeah. It just suffers a little bit from that, but it is what it is. And Hobbs and Shaw came in at $760 million. Uh, seems like a no brainer, but the budgets on these things went wild. Um, <laughs> and that's where it's like Hobbs yeah. and Shaw cost 200 million. The other ones ever since number six were like over $200 million. It was, chump change though when you consider they're making billions of dollars uh, the very first movie just for statistics sake 38 million dollars to budget um it has basically <laughs> been doubled ever since that like number two doubled it and they just kept going higher and higher and higher fast x has reported budget of 340 million dollars hmm. yeah i can see that like you look at the stars there's so many big name actors and like by this point it's like like they must have been contract renegotiations. Yeah. You know, like once you more power to them, right? Once you know like how valuable are in the series, then you can go back and to the table when your contract comes up and renegotiate. And like they added a bunch of people. Brie Larson was added to this. Yeah. Uh Jason Momoa was added to this, which we'll talk about as well. Well, I was curious because I wasn't sure if Brie Larson was in the movies beforehand. Maybe she just had like a smaller part, but it's like she was brand new for this movie, right? She was brought in for the movie. Yeah. She was, this was her first uh, her first time in the family. Um, the dude there who plays, I think, Jack Reacher in the TV show, uh, he played the cop there. He he was brought in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the dude's name, but uh, but yeah, there's so many. And like you had all the returning cast, right? Like Vin Diesel, Machina Rodriguez, Scott Eastwood was in there. Um, John Cena now is part of the family. Yeah. Um, so many, so many names in there. Tyrese, Tyrese Gibson, uh, Ludacris. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm assuming that these are. I don't know how much how household names some of these people are, but for me, like as a fan of the series, like yeah, those guys are awesome. I think the Fast movies have made these people, uh, some of these people, like household names. Honestly, yeah. like even Vin Diesel himself. I know that he was sort of being pushed as like an action star. In like in the early 2000s, but I don't think people were going out to see like Chronicles of Riddick and whatnot very much. It's like he was making Ouch. those. He, well, you know what I mean. It's like <laughs> those movies are dear and dear to us. I, I like Chronicles of Riddick is great, uh, but I, yeah. I don't feel like they've done very well. And he hasn't he had doesn't like, have the mass appeal for sure. Yeah. yeah. And like he did the triple X movies. I, I should say, I think he did one of them. There's a sequel he was not in. If he did the third one, maybe if I have yes. that right. Return of Xander Cage. Yeah, Xander Cage is just like it was a, <laughs> it was a tough time, man. It's just like I think he wasn't in. Oh my God, was it the fat, Too Fast, Too Furious, and Tokyo Drift, or was he in Too yeah, Fast, Too Furious? He he wasn't in Too Fast, Too Furious. He was in um, one scene at the very very end of Tokyo Drift. Okay. It's like a stinger scene, and the the I think the story goes that. He agreed to appear in that for Universal if they gave him the rights to the Riddick series. Oh, okay, okay. And that's how we got Chronicles of Riddick, and that's how we got Riddick, the third movie. Oh, so I for those it. of us who are fans of Riddick as well, yeah, yeah. Um, the Fast and the Furious franchise also made the Riddick um, series possible as well. And there's going to be another one, Furia. Hopefully that comes out oh. uh, in the next couple of years. Yeah, we'll be totally talking about that for sure. Oh, yeah. So... I mean, here we are, Fast X. What did you think of this movie? Like, what? How? What was this? Was this movie good? Did you enjoy this? You know what? I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I thought it was. Maybe it's just 
like number three, oh, not number three, number nine, <laughs> <laughs> the the third, number three of the third trilogy. <laughs> oh my goodness! It, it's yeah okay. <laughs> it was a little bit, a little bit rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. Um, so ten felt like a return to form. Uh, was it as was it the very highest point of the series? Would I say that? No, um, but I I really enjoyed. Um, a lot of the action sequences, um, a lot of the character beats. I think they were having um, some challenges, like um, like Marvel had with Infinity War and Endgame, where they had so many characters they had to they had to juggle. Some some are just invariably they're just not going to get as much screen time yeah. as others. Um, and then this, this the whole thing. Jason Momoa was a godsend to this series. His villain in this movie. It was awesome, right? Just like he, he, Jason Momoa was having the time of his life. You could just tell <laughs> through through the role. He was loving every minute of it, and that really elevated it. I think everybody was having fun. I think people were criticizing Vin Diesel for maybe taking his role too seriously. Mm. But you know what? I'm. I don't know, like the whole feud between Vin Diesel and The Rock and all this nonsense. People like hating on Vin Diesel. I'm gonna say I'm a. I'm a fan of Vin Diesel's work. I love watching him in movies. People criticize him. He's got the mumbly, growly voice or whatever. He loves <laughs> doing all... You know what? I don't care. I, when I see Vin Diesel on screen, I'm totally stoked. I'm always curious to see what he's going to do next in terms yeah. of movies. I love watching all these characters. I've been with... It feels like I'm... It feels like I'm part of the family. That's the whole thing. Right? I've been on a ride with these characters. Yeah, yeah. And it's like some of the more soap opery elements, which we'll get into in terms of you know, character deaths or non-deaths and, and re and some retcons and things like, you know what? That's kind of par for the course. It feels like there's an influence of like, almost like the soap opera or maybe like the telenovela from, uh, from Mexico or from the the Spanish uh, speaking world was like that little bit of kind of melodrama that I think is part and parcel of the series now. But I thought I was watching it and there was some, there was one point, I can't remember which point it was, Oh, it was the callback to number five, I guess, uh, with uh, they were chasing the giant rolling bomb through the streets of uh, <laughs> yeah. um, Rome. It was going to go to the Vatican City, and it was like, this is completely and utterly ridiculous. None of this makes sense, and I'm loving every minute of it. And I love that the audacity of them ending the movie on a cliffhanger leading into number eleven. Yeah, um, that was so that was so cool. You know, it's just like. Um, uh, the the Marvel movies, right? Yeah, uh, with the Infinity War. Am I is that the right name of the movie? Infinity War. What am I? Endgame. No, the one before Infinity War. Is that the name of the movie? Or... It's it's Infinity something. Avengers right? Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is called Infinity War now. But you you sold me on it. Infinity. I can't believe I blanked on Infinity War. <laughs> so it is Infinity War. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but like well, that, that kind of double feature where you feel like, or like Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi to borrow an older um, example, is it is maybe not quite that epic on scale in terms of cultural yeah. impact. But I thought it was like there's some confidence in the in the filmmaking here, and there's a um, there's a there's an element of fun. It's an element of like we, they know what they're doing. They all these people have their characters down. I would I bought the ticket, I took the ride. I'm I'm with this family to the end. How about you, Brian? What were your impressions on this? Uh, so I, I 
I was going in with a little bit of hesitation, I think, because the previous one didn't really impress me that much, the the F9. But it's also been a few years. That came out in 2017. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw, right? <laughs> That's the thing. You're like, it's been six years since we've oh, seen this, uh, except for Hobbs and Shaw, which was 2019. And I remember enjoying that just fine, except... I think I was rolling my eyes when Ryan Reynolds shows up and is like, oh, I can't I can't take a movie with Ryan Reynolds and The Rock doing their bits in, in, in like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I was going with a little hesitation. I did not know it was going to be a cliffhanger. I knew it was going to be a long movie, and I kind of thought this was going to be like the final ride, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't. It was a big cliffhanger, and it's like you're reaching – I mean, this one was 142 minutes long. Uh, you're reaching – like just over two hours and you're like, my God, I don't think they can resolve this because they need a scene at the end where they're all having a barbecue together and, and patting each other's on the back. And it's like, there's not enough time for that. They can't do this. <laughs> and I was just like, I was shocked, absolutely shocked that they had a cliffhanger ending as like, man, that was, that was crazy. And I, I look up, they must be having the next one. They must've filmed these back to back. The budget was so huge. They, this must be coming out. This must be a Matrix Revolutions and and uh, Reloaded situation here, whatever yeah, it was. Have they filmed it? Because I, I knew it let, like, they it haven't. Worth, it they ends. haven't done anything. It comes out what? in three years. It comes out in 2025, what? supposedly. And you're like, going to be so much older. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, maybe maybe they pull an avatar and they like film a bunch of those, those kid scenes earlier on. Or maybe we'll just face a time jump. And who knows? I mean, there's so much crazy stuff going on. But overall, the movie was like pretty middle of the road for me. I wasn't super excited. I wasn't disappointed in it. I was confused throughout the movie a lot. And I'm not sure if that was my fault because I go into a movie like probably right (laughs) where and this is the thing like I've watched all the Fast and Furious movies except for Tokyo Drift. But I think I've only watched them in theater like one time. I haven't sat down and rewatched the entire series again. And I think it's because I've mostly watched these with people and we have a good time doing it. And I think watching it alone for a second time would be like, maybe I don't want to like ruin some of that initial magic of seeing it in a packed theater and everyone's on the same page. You know what I mean? And we saw it in an empty theater. This was a huge theater. There's barely anyone here. And it's just like, I just wasn't having that same level of fun. It was maybe it's just different atmosphere or something, but I think the, I was lost at some of the references. I was just like, am I supposed to know who that person is? I didn't know if Brie yeah. Larson was in it before. Um, <laughs> I was just like, maybe she was in like number five or something. And she came back in as like, no. do you remember Kurt Russell's character? Mr. Yeah, yeah. From the last couple. Yeah. She's his daughter. Yeah. I pieced that together during the movie, but I was just <laughs> like, maybe she had like a small cameo or something in previous, just like Helen Mirren shows up for a few seconds on, on screen in this one. I was really confused by like, Deckard Shaw. She was in previous movies, though. She yeah, she's in previous movies exactly. So I thought okay. the same thing with Brie Larson. It's like she was just had like oh, a couple minutes right. in a previous film. It was like this is her bigger role. Um, Deckard Shaw, you know Jason Statham. They go to his place and then he just rides off on his own. I'm like, where, where's he going? He's just out of the movie um, now. It was no, really he's str- going. He's going to dig some graves. Man, he explicitly said, I know where he was going. what he said he's doing, but it's like, I was expecting him to come back. And when you're have when you're three quarters of the way through the movie, you're like, man, all the characters are on far reaches of the world and they can't possibly meet up with each other as it's like, this is not going to end tonight. Is it? It was, it just blew my mind. And 
I think, I don't know. I didn't want to have to take it so seriously either because I haven't taken the other one seriously, but now I have to because I have to remember all these characters and stuff that haven't really grown on me over the years, but I appreciate <laughs> them in the moment, right? Yeah. You're telling me we can't be the only ones to do a yearly rewatch of the series. Come on. I don't know. I, I'm sure there's some <laughs> super fans out there, but I am not, I'm not one of them, I guess, but I loved going to see these movies in the theater. And uh, this one, I mean, I'll still see the next one in theater and I look forward to that, but this one was just, uh, just, I, I don't want to talk about our ratings right now, but I rated this pretty much the exact same what I've rated all the other movies, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> which is i think just taking that, that middle of the road like safe stance of just like i don't know what to make of these films where you were all about the automobile puns today middle of the road <laughs> getting back on course you just you're some kind of word word genius yeah right, here. right. <laughs> oh man no honestly i think i think one of the best things they did in this movie was um tying it back in terms of lore, in terms of story, to yeah. number five, which is widely regarded, I think, as the best, if not one of the best, in the entire series. And I thought that was, you know what, that that whole retcon of having Jason Momoa be the son of the main villain from number five, I thought that was, you know what, that's a kind of a cool retcon. Is like keep keep the stakes. Stakes are like, oh yeah, sure, world ending stuff, but like the stakes of this movie felt personal enough was like oh there's a personal connection oh yeah this guy wants revenge it's like to me that helped the movie a lot more than i think was it fast or fate of the furious where it was like about the god's eye and it's like world-ending technology and it's like that's cool i dug it but like i like the this idea of like the personal kind of soap opery um you know like uh, you killed my cat so i'm gonna kill your dog you know like the personal yeah. um connection there or you killed my dad so now i'm gonna destroy your family I thought that was really, that was really smart in terms of storytelling and bringing it back. That's just because I just want to say the Fast Five has maybe the most memorable action sequence in it oh. where they pull the safe out of the wall and they're driving around yes. the safe. I mean, fantastic. I love that it was in this movie and that it was the one they tied into. Uh, <laughs> I, I was literally going to mention, I love the callback, that whole first action sequence of that mm -hmm. giant, this time it was a giant a giant sphere yeah, yeah. rolling through the city. It was an obvious callback. The safe was a giant square. So yeah, I love this. this is a I love that whole shape. sequence in this movie. It's just, I love that wherever they were, like in Rome and heading towards the Vatican, it was just all downhill the entire time. <laughs> this, this thing could not be stopped. I loved it. It was just, and it, that it was a huge bomb. And honestly, that explosion was pretty impressive. But I love the, that too. Like they didn't completely save the day, right? Yeah. Like, it was like, oh, they managed to stop the worst of it. They they got the bomb into the water, but it's still like it still went off and it still did some damage. Like, oh man, this is they're actually like almost like that illusion at least of like there's some real stakes. So like, I yeah. thought they said on the newscast that nobody actually died. It was like a lot of damage. There was fires and buildings collapsing and stuff. I was like, okay, it was like they're not perfect heroes like there's they do make mistakes even when they save the day right and the villain here jason momoa's character like uh. attacking the family like directly like using the the family as leverage and stuff is brilliant jason momoa is doing an awesome job in this role he's diabolical and he's just having a blast on there like his villain's having a blast you can tell he's he's having fun on there but there's one particular scene that had probably went over the line for me honestly where Wait. it was like can I guess? Yeah, yeah. Is it the one where he's painting his nails while talking to the two corpses? A hundred percent. 
<laughs> it was the manipulation See, of the corpses. <laughs> I love that scene. Like I think in a I don't know what it is. Like I've seen worse things in movies and it's like yeah. I know he's a bad guy and he's doing this with corpses now. It's like it almost felt like it, and you would know better than, than me for the whole series, but it felt like it was too much for Fast and Furious. It's like it went into a territory that's like I'm not comfortable in anymore. It's like I don't want to see him do this. It's like, but also at the same time, I respect that a lot of the villains turn into family afterwards. They turn into friends, like they're allies, and they turn into friends, and they become family, right? And like John Cena, I think The Rock, they all follow that same path. Jason Momoa cannot possibly follow that path in any future movie with that action in that one scene. It's just like he is too disturbed to do that sort of thing. But for me, it was like it didn't fit in that world. I did not like that scene. Uh, I, I couldn't. I mean, it was not that it was oh, like see, grossing me out too much, but it was just like, no, this doesn't feel right right now. I, I love that scene. Any, any scene Jason Momoa was in, I think have to acknowledge too, there's been discussion online about um, the kind of queer coding of villains and that, 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 that was a thing that happened, especially like in the eighties and nineties where it's like, Oh, this guy's like that kind of, you know, he's reading as queer and he's a bad guy. And there's this discussion to be had around that as well. Um, however, I thought that overall, like he was, he was flamboyant. Um, he was over the top. He wasn't the standard tough guy. Like when Vin mm-hmm. Diesel gets his hands on him, he's kicking his butt. I thought it was a nice change of pace from just having his like, oh, big strong people beating each other up. It's like no, he's not. His his strength. He's a big dude, but his strength isn't beating people up. His strength is manipulating them. Yeah. And 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 you know, like Joker esque levels of of plotting. And convenience, to, and he's got, he's got he's got like backup plans, the backup plans, the backup plans. Yeah, so he makes yeah. a plan, like thinking he's like Dom's gonna survive this because I've seen I've, I've done research on I've been researching him for ten years. <laughs> I know that all the crazy stuff he's done. Yeah, yeah. And like, okay, I'll make this plot is like the two helicopter thing is like it's crazy. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure like, I'm pretty sure he's gonna beat the two helicopters. So I'm gonna have another. Bunch yeah. of cars chasing him. I'm pretty sure he's going to beat those cars too. So I'm going to have the two transports on the dam. And it's like, I'm pretty sure he's going to beat that too. So I'm going to literally blow up the dam. It's, yeah. it's just like, it's true. And it's it, pretty I, amazing. I love that I love stuff it. too. And where it's just like, Eddie, and I love that he's enjoying it all along with us because he knows Dom's going to survive this, but he's still amazed when he does. Like he still looks at Dom in, in absolute awe. It's just like, that was really cool what just happened there. But I'm still going to kill you. You know, it's just like, yeah. He keeps escalating. He, uh, I love that there was a scene that race. With Jason Momoa's character and Vin Diesel, and then unknown to us at the time, but the sister of um, Vin Diesel's former uh, wife, who got killed in I think it was Fate of the Furious, and there's the other dude who was a friend of theirs from 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 F from Fast Five, and there was a cool. First of all, there was a cool camera shot. I think it was out of um, was it Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, maybe where like the camera is pulling back through all the different through all four cars, so you got to so you could see everybody inter- interacting but that whole scene where jason momoa most character he dante is his name because like charlie's there in cypher she says I, I met the devil tonight i always yeah. i was disappointed because i thought it was me and then his character's name is literally dante yeah amazing <laughs> but dante he there's bombs under the cars of the two rivals and he looks he's looking at Dante. like which one are you gonna save man yeah. you gotta save one of them and so he ends up saving the the woman who he figured out it was his uh former sister-in-law um those diabolical things we really felt like oh man there's like 
yeah, like this is a, those, those kind of moral choices are always, cause you always, those are great storytelling devices. Cause you always get the audience to put themselves in that situation yeah, yeah. and think, who would I save if I can only save one of them? Like, how do you make that choice? So I thought like scenes like that where and Jason Momoa was just having such a great time. And there was such, there was some racing in there. There were some big action set pieces with, um, you know, vehicles that went beyond cars. There was souped up crazy cars, which have kind of become a staple for the series as well. John Cena's car at the end that was yeah. shooting the, shooting the giant. What is it? Like, it's like, six inch shells at, at yeah, people big cannons yeah getting getting that kid his first murders good times good times <laughs> so that's that's see the racing scene <laughs> where he has the bombs on the the two friends there right yeah uh, he said his his former sister-in-law was that her brother in the other car no no that was uh i was a friend of theirs i believe he was in fast fast five when they went down there the first time so i think it was a callback it was a character that they knew Okay, so it was it was a buddy of his, it was a friend of his, and then it was his former sister in law. Yeah, I don't know if it's a former. I don't know because his his wife died, so I don't know if that counts as like former or not. I I don't want to be insensitive. This is the exact point that is like, this movie is made for like the fans of the series, but I am more of a casual fan of this. Like I'm a, I'm going to convince people to go out and see these in theater, but I'm not going to remember all these characters, right? So so for me, I didn't know who these people were. I know they were friends. And he has to choose. So he chooses. He chooses the girl and the guy blows up and they stand over his car for a second and then cut to the next seat and be like, was that a significant <laughs> character? Like they just, you know what I mean? It's like, but the whole movie is so fast paced that they don't dwell on that death. It's like, there's more serious, like the death is are going to keep coming. So they got to keep going. I understand that. But it's like, I, for me, that character meant nothing. I don't remember him at all. Wow. Dom remembers him, but I don't know if he's close. cold-hearted bastard. <laughs> right? And you're like, for me, like Dom's, he's not shedding a tear for that guy. He's just like, wow, that, that happened. That sucks. We got to keep going. And then we move on. And then we're in the apartment with her and he sees the photo on the wall. And like, that woman looks familiar, but I guess this is more family. Like they're all related in some way. I don't know. I can't tell. And that's where it's like, it's not like... The Marvel Universe, for example, I've, I've watched that numerous times. And so when I watch a new movie, yeah. I remember all these characters. But it's like I've done myself a disservice by not watching all these. I think the issue is that the movie's never – and I, to be fair, this is not my own thought. I saw this on a review I was looking at the other day. The movie up until now have not expected me to remember a lot of stuff. It wants me to go in the theater and just have fun. But this movie – is switching it up and it wants me to remember all the little characters and whatnot throughout the past like nine films. And it was like just too much for my casual, uh, my casual eyes. <laughs> yeah. I think like to use that analogy of the Marvel movies, I think you, it's kind of expected now where you have to watch all of the movies in the series to kind of really understand what's going on. You look at them as almost as like episodes in a TV series, the same as the Marvel movies. So like, yeah. yeah, some casual audiences come in and have a good time, but they're not going to, you're not going to fully understand what's going on. It's, that's, it's, that's the trade off. And that's it. I'm just too casual for fast and furious, but honestly, like I've been meaning to go back and rewatch things, especially with the third one missing from my watch history. I it's just like, that. it is about time, but now knowing that no, you, it's not about time. It's about family. It's about family. I think they said the word family about 6,000 times in this movie where it's like, it, 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 
it's like the outside world, like the memification of it has like started to bleed into. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, man, they need to do something a little different. I mean, I think the movie starts when they're at like a family barbecue, right? Family you're barbecue. Like, oh my goodness. I'm like, kind of like chucking it along with the movie here and the memes at the same time. Cause it's like, yeah, they can't get away from this backyard barbecue. Yeah. It's become a meme, but also like, you watch the movies. Like that's one of the anchors. I think that keeps this, this um, franchise going forward and so successful. I always like that idea of, you know, you got two families. There's a the family you're born into and there's the family you make along the way. Like, there's something really meaningful about these people yeah. who were essentially like outcasts and outsiders and they found each other and they really did become a family. And I think there's a really positive message in that and a really empowering message and a really touching message that speaks to something in all of us, that sense of belonging and that sense of like you, you get to choose the people in your life that you care about. You get to choose the people who get to be around you. And I think that it gets lost in the memes now, but I think that's a really, that's one of the strengths to the series. And I think that's what keeps it, uh, Keeps it going strong after 22 years yeah. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a testament to the longevity of it. And to have the, all the same actors throughout a lot of it as well. Like, yeah. I think it's uh, Vin Diesel and Jordana Brewster uh, have been in, like, the most number of them. Like, she's been in just about every single one. He has been as well. And it's just, like, it's yep. it's nice when you start watching the movie, be, like, seeing all these familiar faces again and, you know, they're doing their thing. It's it's kind of nice. It's the perfect definition of a popcorn movie. This is the great comfort comfort movie, comfort food. You, you curl up in a blanket with a bowl of popcorn and you watch a bunch of crazy action on the screen. You watch a bunch of friends and family you've been with for 20 years. And yeah, there's something comforting about that. I, I, I love that feeling. I love the feeling now of, of uh, throwing on a, a Fast and Furious movie. I love... Too, that you brought up the fact of uh, of having Mia in there, she's been I think in every movie that Vin Diesel has been in. Yeah. Um. So I think she was only not in number two and three. Um. But also tying back to um, number five in the series, Fast Five, allowed them to um, you know, wrap in Paul Walker's character Brian O'Connor, who as we know um, in the real world, unfortunately um, Paul Walker, um, you know, he tragically passed during uh, not during the filming of uh, furious seven, but as it was during that time it was being filmed, he got into a car accident. Unfortunately, it was very tragic. He was, was pretty young, like maybe in his early forties, maybe he was super, super young. Um, but to be able to have that callback, because I think number seven did such a respectful job of, you know, paying homage to both Paul Walker and the character. And so like have a, this is a way that they can kind of respectfully, it's like, okay, we can show scenes from that movie. We can't have Paul Walker, obviously, but we can show scenes from that movie and, and tie him into the ending yeah, yeah. of the franchise. So that, that's, that's really smart. I hope they don't go like full CG. If they want to do something like they did at the end of um, Furious seven, where they had literally had his brother, as a stand-in and they yeah, put the yeah. CGI on his face. So it's kind of, you had the, the familial model there to, to work on the base, I guess, for the, for the computer model to work on. And it wasn't like he wasn't talking and saying, so it was just like a, a really touching tribute to Paul Walker. And I hope they keep that same kind of level of tastefulness. I don't I hope they don't go full like, um, uh, Moff Tark, Grand Moff Tarkin, uh, yeah. in this one in the, or number 11. 
Yeah, what's crazy in the past few years with all the uh, defect technology uh, being developed, and especially with the focus in like from Disney and Star Wars, uh, doing like the Mark Hamill, uh, like young Mark Hamill doing his yeah. thing and like deep faking a younger, like a de-aged version of him. And you're like, oh my goodness, you have the brother of Paul Walker, uh, probably like very similar looking to begin with. And it's like, if he could sort of act like him a little bit, you could easily deep fake this guy back in your movies, but thankfully they they are not going down that road. And it was kind of nice in this movie because they mention him, uh, his character a couple times. And it's just like, he, like, I think at one point, uh, Dom, he's just like, I just got off the phone with, with Brian. Every, like they're fine. Uh, you know, he's, he's taken care of. And Momoa's Dante is not going after this guy. Like he's, he's going after everybody Dom knows all his family, everybody, but these specifically like leaving Brian well, out of the uh, the. I think the idea the was that they, they couldn't find him because like me as like at one point yeah, yeah. was like I'm gonna go and check and make sure Brian and the and our kid are okay. So I think it's like I think logically speaking, I think the idea is like if if Dante could find him, he would be after him too. But I think yeah, like yeah. Mia, Mia says later on is like oh yeah, they're safe, they're they're we're hidden. It's like okay, we're cool. Yeah, there's, yeah, exactly. That's what, I, that's what I'm reason. talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like he's hidden away. Everything is fine. Um, but yeah, geez. It, so I, I got to fast forward, not fast forward. I got to go back to the, I got to U-turn over to the, uh, <laughs> the cliffhanger of the movie again here, right? <laughs> Where, because part of me was thinking this movie has, hasn't gone crazy enough. Like I haven't seen anything like super new here. Uh, that's going to like blow my socks off of, in true Fast and Furious fashion. And I'm thinking Dom is driving down the side of this dam. And that is pretty awesome. But he's going yeah, to head amazing. into the water. And I'm thinking this car has got to have some underwater mode here. Like this is how he's getting away, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I was so disappointed. It's like, no, you know, so the well, car's not airtight. It's pretty banged up. You know, they have to ditch the car and whatnot in the water and keep going. But I was like, I thought for sure a fin was going to come out of this thing and a little <laughs> uh, like motor would like come out. James Bond style, yeah. Exactly James Bond style. It's just like, why not go down that road with this? But unfortunately, uh, we didn't. But maybe Dom will know in the future to like really outfit his car. I love that his car can just follow him all over the world. Like... <laughs> it's, it's like having read about things of like trying to import vehicles into different countries. Oh, yeah. It's like, you imagine the paperwork that is involved in Dom and his team trying to get these cars all over the world that they can do it so quickly. It's very, that's the impressive feat of Fast and Furious. Well, like they've got connections at the agency. Which agency? Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the agency. agency. I've seen some comments. Secret agents, are, dude. Yeah, I've seen some comments that are like, the agency is like, kind of like the signal of like the downturn of this whole series is just like, they don't want the agency to be as prominent as it is. And it's this classic thing of like the agency kind of like working against them in this scenario here. I can't remember if they, yeah, really they pulled the uh, they keep pulling a mission impossible. where like, yeah, they're disavowed by the agency. Yeah, and they yeah. have to go on the run and clear their names. I'm pretty sure Ethan Hunt's done that at least uh, half a dozen times. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's every single mission. Impossible. <laughs> movie but, uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Again, valid criticism. It was a it was a different way to take the series. Um, and if you don't like it, it's like there's nothing really I can do to defend it. It's a ridiculous turn. If you look at it completely objectively, yeah, it's a ridiculous turn. But is it is it fun as heck? 
yeah, man, I'm. Uh, it's just super fun watching um, these street thugs uh, turn into eventually super secret jet setting agents yeah. going across the world on missions, saving the world, going from stealing DVD players to saving the world <laughs> from uh, mass surveillance and weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, done. Do you um, have any other notes or anything to say before we head into our review, our ratings of this movie? Um, I think I think we've touched on a lot of the things already. I had a blast with this. Um, there were a lot of nice callbacks to some of the earlier films. I think that that's kind of cool to have those payoffs for longtime fans. Um, there were some oh, there's some cool fights in this too. Uh, I think got to shout out uh, Michelle Rodriguez and. Um, Charlie's Theron. Exactly. Uh, the, their fights was like, that was, that was pretty standout. That was, it was really cool. Really well done. Um, I think, uh, was it John Cena at the beginning? Um, I loved his introduction where it's like Mia's, Mia turns over to the kitchen. She sees this guy flying through the air and she just smiles. Yeah. And I'm like, what's going on? It's like, <laughs> oh, of course it's John Cena. Okay. That's a, it was a, it was a pretty cool intro. There's, there's a couple other uh, cool fight scenes, like with uh, Jason Statham and uh, and Han. Um, Sun, was it Sung Kang? I think is the actor's name. Um, Han's always fun to watch. Yeah, there was there's some cool fights in here as well. There's some really cool car chases. There mm-hmm. was some of the ridiculous action that I think um, fans of uh, Fast and Furious have come to love and expect. It's almost like how Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible keeps trying to one up his stunts. Yep, like in 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 the Fast and Furious movies, it's almost like they're doing the same thing. They're one upping like what's the big spectacle showcase yeah. action set piece that's more ridiculous until we finally even get out into space in a car. Uh, amazing stuff. Um, and then, uh, then I don't know how people felt about a certain character returning at the very end of the movie. Um, turns out, uh, Gal Gadot, um, AKA Giselle, who was thought to have been killed in, uh, number six. If you remember back that far, Fast and Furious six, I don't know, Brian. I don't care, no. but she's revealed. I know to be- she was in the series, but I don't remember what capacity. So what seeing her, there she was not back, like she was in four or five revealed to me. Yeah. Yeah. But she it was just she like, was, I didn't know that she had died. I don't remember that. So like seeing her again, yeah. be like, all right, she's back. That's fine. <laughs> she's back. Of all the deaths where somebody's return is like, literally she fell out of a car on a runway with a plane. So it was like, Oh yeah. She was probably just banged up a little bit. So I was like, yeah, sure. She's back. Might as well. And then I think it's because it's kind of like, cause, cause Han and Giselle, had like their happy ending planned where they're going to get to Tokyo. He ended up going to Tokyo anyway without her. Um, but I thought, I guess this was a, a way for them to maybe have a, a happy ending for those characters. You know what? At first when I saw that, I was like, eh, I don't know. But after the, after the credits roll, I was like, you know what? It's par for the course. It's uh it's all part of the ride. It's all part of the fun. So we'll see what happens at the end. I mean, the cliffhanger ending, uh, with Dom and his son about to be washed away by the, by the dam. And then like, you think all the, all the main characters are dead. Nobody thinks they're dead. Just like in, in yeah. Avengers infinity war, but it's like you building that tension is like, you know what? That, that's pretty cool. I, I like that. So the hope I, I hope number 11 is like the end of the mainline series for that main cast where it kind of puts a nice cap on it. And it's like, you got this fully finished kind of product and you say goodbye to the characters in a meaningful way. Um, but we'll see how things turn out. Uh, overall, I was, uh, I was, I was really, I was having a really good time. 
That's good. So what's your rating? We use the, uh, just a reminder for people, we use the Letterbox five-star system, which I think we mentioned earlier, uh, with a possible like on top of that. What's your five-star on that? Sounds pretty positive. Yeah. I mean, overall, I'm going to give this a three and a half out of five. So it's not the best in the series, but it's also not the worst. I wouldn't say middle of the road. I would say it's an it's a high octane thrill ride, <laughs> um, as most of them are. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think there were a, a few places. I think this is right in line with. Uh, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to mispronounce the director's name, Louis Leterrier, or I think he, I believe he's French. Um, but if you look at some of the mov- other movies he's done, or he's done um, the Incredible Hulk, which was I would rate around the same, like a three, 3.5. seems like kind of like a, almost like a journeyman director or a work, mm. a work a day director where he comes in, does a competent job, but he's not like an auteur where he brings like a huge stylistic vision. You want the job done. You call somebody like Louis Leterrier. I, I think Louis Leterrier, maybe I believe he's French. I don't know. I feel like I need to pronounce his name with a Louis Leterrier. Um, but I think Justin Lin stepped out of the project partway through. And so somebody had to be brought in. And I think this is the guy, this is one of the guys you bring in to get the job done in that situation like that. And I think he did a really good job considering you have to step in to somebody else's production, somebody else's world. Um, cause Justin Lin, let's be honest, like the fast and the furious as a franchise exists because of Justin Lin. Yeah. Right. Vin Diesel had his part of course, right. He was a driving force. I think, it's well documented when he's passionate about a project, he'll put forth 110%. I think there are stories of him literally like mortgaging his house to get, uh, I think Chronicles of Riddick or Riddick made. Um, mm-hmm. So like he, when he's in, he's in 100% and Vin Diesel was a driving force. But I think Justin Lin was a key creative driving force for this. And to have him kind of step aside and have somebody else step into into that role, uh, kind of partway through a production, that that takes a certain level of, of skill that, that I think we need to uh, uh, acknowledge and appreciate. Um, but anyway, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, Brian. What was your overall rating for uh, Fast X? Uh, I'm just sitting at a two and a half out of five stars for Ooh. me on this one. Ooh. Def- literally middle of the road. Okay. Yeah. And when I quickly look at other ratings of other movies in the series, I've pretty much given every single one two and a half or three stars. Uh, it could just be, I just don't know what to rate these things. Like there's the enjoyment factor, but I know they're silly and whatnot. Uh, particularly fast X for me just, just didn't land. Uh, it just didn't have that, that, you know, that, that, you know, that crunch that I, I wanted from all that I've been used to from all the other movies. Right. But, um, I'm hoping that the sequel is also a lot of fun. And as a whole, uh, I think it'll pay off to revisit them all together and, see like all the fan service I was going on in this movie. Yeah. And around the internet, I mean, uh, we sort of, we mentioned it before, but I think, uh, this one on letterbox is a 2.8 average rating. Uh, like basically one of the lowest rating, except can, for F9. I can see that. Uh, F9 takes the cake as the worst one, I guess. So I'm not alone in that. Okay. I thought I was yeah. going crazy, but no, it's the kids who are out of touch. Right. <laughs> And uh, Ron Tomatoes, uh, I'd like to make you guess here. What do you think the critic rating on Ron Tomatoes is? 52. Let me look it up first. <laughs> wow. I do actually have a redound. You are very, very close. It is 56%. Uh, 
Uh, oh, okay. the, uh, I didn't write down the audience, but I can bring that up. So audience rating on Fast X. I'm going to guess 78. Close again. It's 84%. Oh, awesome. So definitely, um, I feel like the you know, the faithful Fast and Furious fans were going out to see this movie uh, is what I would drive from that. There you go. The Fast and Furious faithful. Right. And IMDb is at a 6.0 out of 10, which is, uh, which is pretty fine. Yep. And um, yeah, that's uh, that pretty much wraps it up for me. But if you have anything else to add, speak now yeah. or forever, uh, forever no. um, cover your muzzles or whatever. <laughs> cover your, your exhaust muffler. Pipes. <laughs> cover your muffler. Stretch, yeah. stretch your exhaust pipe. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Like, uh, if you want to be part of the family, um, don't be afraid. Go grab a Corona. Um, you know get your favorite uh favorite muscle shirt um you know <laughs> hop in your car and uh you know enjoy the ride man um you, every this is the great thing about this family everybody's welcome the more the merrier um so if if you if you think you want to check out the fast and the furious movies i would suggest starting at the beginning but honestly feel free to jump in anywhere number five is also a good starting point but jump in anywhere if you jump in with, I think, the right expectations, um, you, you're going to have a good time. You're going to have a fun time. Um, and I think you're going to be in good company because you know who else is a big fan of the Fast and Furious movies, Brian? Who? Uh, Chris Nolan. Oh, That's right. Wow. You can look it up. There. Chris Nolan's right, and you're wrong, Brian. Take that. Wow. <laughs> I find myself in good company. For once. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see what his letterbox ratings are for all these movies. <laughs>